Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Hello, everyone. This is Sally Gango with Bright Horizons College Coach. Um, happy summer to everyone. And high school seniors, I hope that you are already working on your college application essays. That would be a very good idea right now. By the way, if things look different on our screens, for those of you who are watching this on the video, we've switched over to Teams, and I am not tech savvy at all, and I am still figuring it out. But what you are looking at right now is Jennifer Wilcox, who is a college finance consultant here at College Coach, um, and she'll be talking to us about when colleges meet financial need and a look into the colleges that do this. So um, I'm going to start talking to Jennifer in a second. But first, stick around after this first segment with Jennifer, because I'll be talking with Katie Hager, an admission officer from Boston College and two current Boston College student tour guides about visiting colleges during the summer during the last two segments. So, all right. But first, let's get started with Jennifer. I think, Jennifer, this is a topic that a lot of people um, care a lot about, you know, <laughs> so I agree with um, you. We hear it often on our calls. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I i mean, I went to a college that um, met full demonstrated need and still does. Unfortunately, it means that they can't fund absolutely everyone, but they still fund most students. Um, and I felt so, like, blessed in retrospect. I didn't realize that that wasn't the case, you know, for most students. Um, and certainly I could not have attended college without my need being met. It just or, right. or you know, not the college I wanted to go to anyway. So let's go into it. Like, what does it mean when institutions say they meet 100% of demonstrated or full need? I think the biggest thing uh, for families is to really understand what is demonstrated need. It's probably not the cost that your parents or me or you feel that we can pay for our kids. A demonstrated need is going to be the college's total cost of attendance. They're going to subtract off what's called your expected family contribution to college. And then whatever number will be left will be the demonstrated need, which really brings probably a lot of our listeners who may be newer to what is this expected family contribution or often referred to as an EFC. Um, wow. Where does this number come from? Uh, all colleges require a form called the Free Application for Federal Student Aid or a FAFSA form. Um, and what this looks at is going to be uh, parent and student income, your assets. Uh, it's, and in looking at these things, they're going to come up with a calculated federal EFC. At these specific colleges, a lot of these that are meeting 100% of demonstrated need, they also require an additional form that's called the CSS profile. And this form digs a little deeper into a family's financial situation where FAFSA is really only looking at um, income and assets. The CSS profile that is managed um, by the college board could possibly look at what equity you have in your home. Um, it could also look at car makes and models and years that a family drives so that these there's 200 around 200 or 200 plus schools that look at the CSS profile. So they um, 
are going to come up with your institutional EFC. So at these schools that meet 100% of need, I think that's the first piece to really understanding what is my demonstrated need for my family. And now we can kind of dig a little deeper in looking at now that we know what my expected family contribution is, what types of financial aid are they going to offer to us? We get this call often from families. Um, there are federal grants, state grants, institutional grants. There are also federal work study program and federal subsidized loans through the government are all these are considered need-based financial aid. So they are going to be um, a need-based factor um, when families meet that 100% of what your demonstrated need is. I always like to point out the work study and the subsidized loan piece because a lot of people think, oh, they're beating 100% of my need. And why are they offering my student this loan? I don't want my student to have this loan. Well, that is a need-based loan. So that's why it kind of falls into that. Um, category. I do want to point out in May, I'm sure Sally saw this, I don't know if we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but Williams College in Massachusetts did announce, uh, this is a college that also is selective and meets full need. Um, they announced they're the first to eliminate loans and work from their financial aid packages. So they um, will um, offer only institutional um, grants, state and federal. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. That is exciting. I mean, the more colleges that do that, the better, right? Although right. Yeah, I so will we'll, say, yeah, we'll see. I mean, most, I mean, you mentioned 200 colleges um, and there's around 4,000 colleges in the country. So it's a pretty small percentage that meet demonstrated need even with even taking into account the loan. Right, yeah, I think that 70, there are 200 were the ones that use CSS profile. There's 78, mm. I think, that meet 100% of need. So okay. 78 is a very small percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, I really think it's, I've, I've had people argue with you, uh, argue with me about whether colleges actually do provide financial aid and whether they ever provide enough. And I'm like, if you're a strong student, you are in a very lucky category. So um, I do think it's important to say, at least try, you know? Oh, right. So. Always try. You can always fill, especially the first year, fill out the form and forms and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so, I mean, I guess, so clearly this isn't applicable to all students who apply for financial aid because so many institutions don't um, cover it. I mean, right. did you want to sort yeah. of add to that at all? Yeah, or? I guess. Um, so I guess to this question is a good one. But when you're looking at is the demonstrated if as long as you have demonstrated need and you're applying to one of these colleges that meet 100 percent, these are some of the more wealthy, larger endowed institutions that do have um, the means to fund 100 percent of demonstrated need for all students. So as long as you fill out the forms, you meet the college um, financial aid and or, or admission application deadlines, then the funds are there to meet 100% of, of the demonstrated need. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. 
All right. So how can a family if, uh, determine what their need is if they might be competitive for one of these institutions? That's a great question. So there is a tool on every college's website, and it's called a net price calculator. And what this does is it allows you to go into that college's, you log into the, or not, you don't have to log in, it's open to anybody. Um, you would just go to the college website, look for the net price calculator. It's going to ask for some information on your taxes, which brings me to a um, good point of what tax year are they looking at? So um, for financial aid, will assume your student is starting college in the fall of 2023. They look at your prior, prior year tax information. So they'll go back two years. So if you have a student that is entering their senior year and they're going to start college in the fall of 2023, they will look at, you will be inputting your 2021 tax information into this net price calculator. Um, at these schools, the net price calculator is truly one of the best tools because if you want to know how your home equity is going to be calculated, um, other specific things they may be looking for, um, the net price calculators are a little better for this type of institution opposed to some of the expected family contribution calculators out there. Um, so I think that is a good thing. One note is, though, that the financial aid formulas will be changing in the 24-25 school year. So if our listeners have a student that is going to be going into college starting kind of that 24-25 year or beyond, right now the calculators are not 100% accurate for you because they have not been updated with the current or with that new formula. So Keep your eyes open. Hopefully you can still do a one that's out there now to get a general idea, but the formulas are changing some and hopefully those will be up, up and running hopefully by the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's a big thing to take on faith. So right. Yeah, yeah we're waiting. Yeah. yeah, it's a waiting. You're waiting on the government and the college board and whoever else has to make all these things happen. So I think the government is in charge. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they have to go first. <laughs> right. So. Okay. All right. So how can a student find a list of colleges that meet full need? Um, the colleges that meet full need do love to tout that on their website, so that is a good location. If you were kind trying to just look to see a comprehensive list, we do put together a yearly blog on this, and you can find it in our blog post at blog.getintocollege.com. Blog the blog around this topic is called Colleges That Offer the Most financial aid. So if you just search that, you would be able to find the list of these 78 schools. Um, the last was updated in 21. So we will be doing a new, um, probably a newer update of if any are added or deducted in the upcoming year. Um, I think the list doesn't change too much. Um, one thing I think to keep in mind when you're looking at this list is these schools tend to be very rich schools, usually very selective. Um, mm -hmm. They're the ones who can afford to do this, and they're not necessarily the same schools that will offer generous merit scholarships. In fact, it's often very much the opposite. But there, when you look at the list, there are some that do meet 100% of need and also offer some merit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, University of Chicago was one of those. Yeah, um, I think that Union College... Said yeah, it's incredibly hard to get a scholarship there. I used to be in charge of their 
full tuition scholarship and it was really tough to get it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. And so what about schools that don't meet 100% of need across the board? Yeah, that is a great question, especially as students are starting to kind of put together their list um, and looking at colleges. Um, just because a school doesn't meet 100% of need across the board, this doesn't mean that they're not going to meet uh, full need for your family or your student. A college, say they meet 70% of need on average. Uh, but if you meet their institutional goals, they may meet your full need in order to help recruit you. I think um, applying to colleges where you stand out is still a very much a top strategy to maximizing both merit and need-based aid um, mm -hmm. and kind of coming up with a list that kind of covers some safety schools to kind of help you kind of maximize financial and not being kind of to have your list too heavy on those more challenging institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a student uh, when I worked at Whittier, we didn't meet 100% of need. And um, I worked with a student who was both high need and very, very talented, very competitive. Uh -huh. And his family ended up having to pay like a hundred and fifty dollars a semester and oh, wow offered, that's amazing i was it was truly amazing and i was like i have never seen a financial aid package this good and we even told them they could take that out in loans and they were like we can do that like that right? we yeah make, i know i've seen some similar packages yeah like that this year for some colleges too so it's good so yeah the combination of need and merit if financial is what you're looking for is great um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So last question. What are some final comments and suggestions that you may have as students research colleges that meet 100% of need? Oh, gosh. So many questions. Um, uh, so many comments, I should say. The one that stands out, I think, most is, though, we had a team meeting last week and we had a panel uh, there. And one of our panelists is a financial aid director at a college that meets 100% of need. So I'd like to kind of share from the front lines, what he's telling us, um, mm -hmm. and he's telling us to tell families that we talk to, one is do your homework, do the net price calculators. Mm -hmm. If cost is a factor, talk to the schools before you're applying. I think the big thing is to make sure you understand really what you're up against. If you're considering applying the ever popular, it seems these days, early decision, ED might help your chance of acceptance to a more selective institution, but it won't necessarily help the financial outcome. So before you apply to too many of these types of schools, I think the big thing is make sure that they fit both your academic and financial fit for your family. So the big thing I think is do your homework, ask the questions, don't feel afraid to ask schools kind of to see um, where you kind of fit financially as well when you're looking at the application process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. I really oh, appreciate thank you, it. Thank you, Sally. It was great being here with you today and hope you have a great day. Oh, absolutely. All right. We're going to be taking a break now. And when we come back, we'll be talking to a few people from Boston College about summer campus visits. College admissions can be stressful. But Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. 
Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, everyone. I've got Boston College on the show, which is very exciting for me. Love Boston College. Um, so I want to have um, Katie Hagar. Did I say that correctly? Okay. She is uh, she's an admission officer at Boston College, and I'm going to have her introduce herself. We've got two students here, um, and I want them to introduce themselves as well. So but let's start with Katie. Tell us a little bit more about like who you are and 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 what you do at Boston College. Sure. Thanks so much for having us. My name is Katie Hager. I am an associate director of admission at Boston College. I'm starting my ninth year here in the admission office, also a very proud Boston College alumna. So very happy to represent today. Um, In addition to my typical admission counselor responsibilities of traveling, working with students at high schools, reviewing applications, and working with students as they make their final selection as well, I also oversee our student admission program, which is about a thousand student volunteers that assist in our office with any type of campus programming and outreach to both prospective and admitted students. So again, just really happy to be here today. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for being here. All right, Teresa, why don't you introduce yourself? 
Awesome, yes, thank you. Hi, my name is Teresa Nestout and I'm a rising junior, originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. And at Boston College, I'm studying elementary education and applied psychology and human development in the Lynch School of Education and Human Development. Mm -hmm. I love an education major. I don't get enough of those these days. So, all right, great. All right, Tyler, how about you? Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on, Sally. My name is Tyler Dornvere, I'm a rising junior. Uh, from Winnetka, Illinois, kind of 20 minutes outside of Chicago. Um, I'm studying finance and business analytics in the Carroll School of Management and minoring in computer science. And I've been a part of uh, the admissions program here for, for about a year now. I worked here in the summer last year, a little bit over the school year, and then I'm working here again in the summer this year. Okay, great. All right. And that really brings us to our topic, which is should students visit colleges um, in the summer? But let's start with why it's a good idea to visit colleges, period. So, um, Katie, why don't you start and then you can kind of field it off to the students? Sure. I think the campus visit is an incredibly important part of the process. I think one that's often overlooked as well. It's obviously important to get a feel for the culture on a campus and to understand kind of the nuts and bolts in terms of academic programs offered, the size, you know, what you might experience as a student. But more importantly, I think really you're discerning a place that you're considering home for the next four years. So it's incredibly important to connect with students, to connect with faculty and staff if you can, to see the spaces that you might live, that you might study, that you might eat. So you can really start to visualize yourself on a campus and understand a place that really is the right fit for you personally and for your academic journey as well. Uh, Teresa, why do you think the, the visit's so important from a student perspective? Definitely. I totally agree with what you said, Katie, about getting a feel for the campus that you might attend for four years, and it has to feel like home. I think what I've learned from working at admissions this past year really um, has been it's also a great opportunity to get contact information. I have so many visitors that are asking about specific programs, or they're confused about financial aid, or just the application process in general, and it is very stressful. I remember it so vividly. It is a stressful process. But that being said, when you're on the campus, it's so much easier to say, oh, I have this friend who is involved in this program on campus or this club or activity. Let me let me give you their contact information. Seeing the admissions counselor that might be reading your application is huge. And so I think you have that greater opportunity to make those individual connections when you visit a college in person versus just going on their website or perusing or going on Zoom options. So I think that's a real benefit of visiting a college in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I completely agree with what Teresa and, and Katie have talked about. I think that you know, looking online and reading through different college books can be a really fantastic kind of screener uh, for which colleges you want to visit. I think that, you know, if you know what you want to study, you can look online, see which colleges and universities offer those programs, get a sense of the size through those through those resources. But, you know, right, Boston College is located in Chestnut Hill. That kind of means nothing to you if you're reading that in a book. You really have to come to the area, see the campus, see their surrounding community, Right, we're located in near Boston. If you're not from the Boston area, you, know, you have no idea if you're going to like Boston or not. So I think that it can be a fantastic screener, but to really see the area, engage with the students, I think it, it really adds a layer um, um, of just kind of immersion, uh, which can be really valuable when choosing where you want to spend the next four years. 
Mm -hmm. What would you say to a student that says, well, I'm really flexible, so it doesn't really matter if a school is urban or suburban or huge or small or medium, like I'm, I'm going to be good no matter what, like what would, what would the two of you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, someone can kind of think that. Uh, and I think that there are students that are, uh, that are going to be more, you know, flexible in that sense. But I think that there's kind of a right place for everyone. I think that there's a place that students will, kind of thrive in more than more than another one. I think that, you know, often, I mean, I'll say, you know, myself, for example, I was really kind of one of those kids. I thought, uh, you know, I think I'll do kind of well wherever I go. I just want to go somewhere that has the right, um, the right programs for me. But then when you're, you're visiting the school, you pick up on things that you, you know, you didn't even think about. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I really wanted a college campus first. And I was, I, I liked the idea of a city. And then I came here and I'm looking around, I'm like, all right, you know, this actually is kind of nice. This, this might be something mm -hmm. that I want. So I think that you might, you know, think you're flexible at first and you might be flexible, but it's, it's difficult to really make that decision and know that until you've actually visited these different colleges and visited a college mm -hmm. campus, visited a college in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with what Tyler said. I think when I was uh, visiting Boston College, I always think back to this visit because I came with 20 other students from my high school and a college counselor. And we were doing all of the Boston schools in the area. And I really had no idea what schools in Boston looked like. All I knew is that they were all supposed to be amazing. And there are a lot of amazing schools in Boston. But as I was visiting each one, you, as Tyler was saying, you, you kind of get a feel for the nuance of each university. And so I was walking on some that were more urban. And I was like, I don't want to have a crosswalk on my college campus. Like, I want an actual quad. And I think you don't, those are things you don't think about when you're just reading about different colleges. But then when you're actually there, I think when you're on the visit, you get this feel for, oh, is this making me happy? Can I imagine myself walking this campus every day? Is this a farther walk than I was expecting from building to building, from residence hall to the classroom space? Those are different things that you don't get a feel for when you're just on the website. And it all can seem like narrowing things into urban or suburban or rural or just categories. Even in those categories, there's such different elements of each college campus that you're not seeing when you're not on the actual campus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about summer visits. How are they different? What are sort of the pros and cons? Uh, let's go ahead. Why don't, Teresa, why don't you just keep going? Definitely. When you first posed that question, I was thinking students are more excited and engaged, I think, especially when you come to a school like Boston College. We're here for the summer. We're choosing to spend our summer on campus giving tours and information sessions, and we're not taking classes. So I think the energy on campus, even though students might not be packing all of the different academic buildings or on the quads, uh, the students that you will be interacting with are very much engaged, and this is their job, uh, and they're very attentive. Um, it also allows you to really see into buildings and see into classroom spaces a lot more uh, versus a tour during the academic year. For myself, I take my tours into classrooms and let them see the cafeteria spaces on campus. And I can't really do that as much during the academic year because I can't disrupt classes and I don't want to make people move when they're eating lunch with a friend. So I think you get to see more of the hidden gems that are located around campus over the summer compared to during the academic year. Mm -hmm. I love that you're highlighting the positives here. You know, like 
a lot of people think summer is not a good time to visit, but you're showing that there are actually things that are better than during mm-hmm. the school year. Tyler, how about you? Yeah, I mean, right. The obvious difference is there's a lot less students on campus, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think uh, can be a little bit of a negative. I know I, I, I did visit most of my colleges during the school year. I, I like to see the interactions between between different students. I think often uh, when I hear when students kind of knew that BC was was their top choice, sometimes it wasn't even the interactions with the uh, with the admission staff. It was that they were walking on campus. They didn't know where Devlin Hall is. That's our admissions office. And they, they love that just a random student would walk them all the way there. So I think that you are sometimes missing out on, on some of those interactions. I agree that there are also positives, though. Definitely what Teresa was talking about. Really, the student admissions, right? We have access to the entire campus right now. So I can take my tour wherever wherever they want to go. I think another benefit to it is, is the access to the students that are on campus. If I'm giving a panel or a tour during the school year, I typically do it like right in between classes. So I'm running up to Devlin Hall five minutes before my panel. And then my panel mm-hmm. gets out, I'm sprinting to my next class. Whereas here, you know, I, I talk in a panel and I'll often have families come up to me after saying, right, I'm in our business program. Uh, a student can come up, you know, I'm, I'm interested in business. Can you talk to me a little bit about that program? And then I'm happy to spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes just going into my experience uh, with the program, different things that I'm involved in. And so I think that although there are less students on campus, the ones that are on campus, you really have unlimited access to because, you know, we're paid to be here all day talking about the school and we're happy to do it. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Katie, do you want to follow up on that? Yeah, the only thing I would add is I, I think sometimes an academic year visit can be incredibly overwhelming for a student and their family if it's the first time visiting a campus of our size with such diversity in terms of academic programs and 9,300 students buzzing all around. So in some ways, I think a summer visit is a good opportunity to kind of provide an introduction to the college visit, right? To arrive and be able to park on campus mm-hmm. without students everywhere and find Devlin Hall or the admissions office successfully without that stress kind of hanging over your head. So I do think an academic year visit is important before you make a choice, right? When you're really in that final stages of your decision-making process. But I think a summer can be a really nice introduction to a community. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I used to supervise actually the campus visit program at Whittier. And it was the same as as what, you know, all of you are, are discussing where I mean, my students had all the time in the world. We had other things to, for them to do if a visitor wasn't there. But the top priority was always, always, always the visitors. So, you know, you could take an hour and a half tour if the visitor was interested. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, great. So so I think it's pretty clear well, they're, why they are worth it, even if school is in session. Um, how, though, I mean, there is the downside, as as you mentioned, Tyler, of just that there aren't other students on campus. So how do you account for that uh, when you're walking students around the campus, et cetera? Like, how do you try and kind of paint the picture of what the campus might be like? You know, how lively? Because I know that students are, they when they go to a campus, they want something lively. And as beautiful as Boston College is, it's just not going to be that same kind of lively. It's less stressful as a result, but it's going to be super lively during the school year. It's not going to be that lively during the summer. Um, so, yeah, how do you account for that? Yeah, I, I can take this to start. Um, you know, for me, it's I try to tell a lot of stories on my tours. I think that that can sometimes kind of capture uh, the spirit of 
you know, of, of what Boston College is, of the student body that that is missing. I also think that sometimes, you know, some of that also falls to the people uh, who are visiting and that I think it's important. It's it's really easy when the campus is, is full to notice these kind of different interactions between the student body because you're walking around and you're seeing, you know, hundreds of them, thousands of them. And I think it's really important. My, my advice would be if you are visiting in the summer, like really pay attention to how the different, uh, you know, student student worker, student admissions staff, right? How they how they interact together, how they interact with the with the admission staff. Is it more of uh, kind of an, an academic feel? Is it more of just uh, you know having fun, having a good time feel? Because I think that often that can that can give insights into into just the general culture of the of the student body and the the university or college as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, Absolutely. Yeah, and to build off of that point, I think too, the questions that you can ask can change during the summer experience. You can talk a little bit more about what it's like to be a student. What does a day in the life look like for you on campus? Those are some questions that you can ask your tour guide to kind of see, even though they're not surrounded by 9,300 other students, to see what the day in the life of, of their experience might be during the academic year, to say, how do you balance your time during the year? You go into the city of Boston frequently, all of those things. So like kind of changing the questions, maybe from what majors do you offer to more like reflective questions can kind of allow you to get insights into the experiences, even though it might not be during the academic year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, ask those questions. There's so many students who are shy or I noticed they get um, they would get really mad at their parents if their parents would ask like a perfectly reasonable question, you know, so... Um, all right, so we're going to take a break in a minute, but Katie, I was wondering if you had anything you wanted to kind of wrap up this question with. I think as someone who advises the students, we encourage this regardless of the season, but like Tyler and Teresa both mentioned, I think storytelling is really powerful. So, you know, my hope is that when you visit campuses, you'll ask the questions that will provoke answers that are really specific instead of asking what's the average class size, you ask what it's like to engage with faculty members so that maybe your student tells you a story about their favorite faculty member and you can start to really picture yourself in the classroom on campus. I think that's even more critical in the summer than it is during the academic year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All Mm -hmm. right, we're going to take a break, but um, we will be back in just a couple of minutes. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. 
Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety channel have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice america talk radio network and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for voice america You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Sally Ganga, and we are back talking with Katie, Tyler, and Teresa. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. So I'm just curious about, I mean, it sounds like both of you actually did visit the college. I'm curious if there was anything like, was there anything about that visit that made you like really say, like what stood out to you in particular that made you say you want to go to this school? And then beyond that, I'm kind of curious what made you decide you might want to work for the admission office. So Teresa, why don't you go ahead and start? Definitely. What really sold me on Boston College was talking to a student named Franny Hess. Uh, He was on my information session when I came to visit. And coming in, I knew that I wanted to work with children uh, in college. I didn't know specifically teaching and education, but I knew I wanted to maybe go into therapy or counseling or social work. And so I was, as I was visiting a lot of schools, I was on the lookout for maybe programs or majors or even clubs where students were working with children. And unfortunately, at a lot of the visits and places I was going, I wasn't finding that. And I was getting very discouraged. Um, and I was feeling like, oh, maybe I'm choosing the wrong path. Maybe I should do more medical side of things. And finally, Franny Hess was the first person on a college visit to say, hi, my name is Franny Hess. I'm studying elementary ed, applied psychology with a minor in Spanish. And I was like, wow, he's actually doing something that I could see myself doing in college. And I talked to him after the information session. And he told me about some classes that he had been taking at Boston College and why he was taking um, and studying elementary ed, applied psychology at Boston College. And it, like I said, was the first time where I could see myself actually doing something that one of my tour guides was telling me and their experience. And so through that conversation with Franny, I really was like, Boston College has a great program for me. And so I think that's an important part of the decision-making process too, finding a place where you fit in, 
where your interests are wanted and needed on the campus and you feel a part of the community even before you submit your application. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where you're not an afterthought. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important. You know, one of the things that I recommend students do is they can even look up and see like what percentage of certain majors are there on a particular campus. And that can really give you a sense of, is the college putting resources into this? You know, is this something that's going to be valued on the campus? All right. What about you, Tyler? Yeah. So funny enough, I actually didn't do the traditional college tour here. I went on a lot of college tours in general, but at BC, we have a program called the Eagle for a Day, which is you kind of follow a kid around for three, four hours. You go to one of their classes, you guys go to the you know, dining hall, and then you just really just walk around. So I had spent the day before like writing down 20 questions uh, so I could ask this kid and get a real, uh, I was really drilling this kid when I went there. But um, <laughs> it was really my experience with him that, that sealed the deal. I went to, it was like a calculus class, which was the most interesting class because it was calculus. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was a fantastic experience because I really, you know, I think through him got a sense of what the student body was going to be like. I'll, you know, share a quick story. When I left, he, you know, I, I emailed him, you know, thank you for giving me the store. Uh, and he said, oh, you know, thanks so much for visiting. Really nice connecting. And he mentioned he was like, if you ever need like help with like an essay or if you ever want me to like read over um, your essay for like your English class or something, just email it to me and I can I can edit it for you. I was like, oh my gosh, this kid just like offered to edit my high school essays for some reason. But I thought that mm-hmm. that was like so kind of uh, exemplar of the you know the type of person that 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 comes to BC. I think it's a really kind of it's a high achieving place, but with a really supportive student body, which is you know one of the top things that I was looking for in a college. So that really sealed the deal for me. And then in terms of you know why I wanted to be part of the the student admissions program here, I think that you know going to college, being in college is just one of the, you know, most important times of your life, right? This is when you can really start to engage in the exact subject matters that that really interest you, where you can find, uh, you know, things you're passionate about, career paths you might be passionate about, or, you know, extracurricular activities you might be passionate about. I I always tell people on tours, um, like, get involved, right? Right when you get to college, join as many things as possible. You might end up dropping some of them, but you might find some things that, that stay with you for life. And so I think that, you know, the idea that I could have an impact on, on other people finding that place and having those experiences uh, is just something that, you know, was, was really important to me and that I've really enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, Katie, anything you want to add about um, sort of why students come to work for you in representing Boston College? Anything that stands out? And I'll just put in the note that I and many of my colleagues started as college tour guides. So watch out, you guys, you may take a detour. <laughs> I thought right. I wanted to be a, I thought I wanted to be a professor. That was my initial goal. And then I realized I'm way too social to spend all that time doing <laughs> research. And so admissions was just like a better, and I wouldn't have found out, except an admission counselor actually came up to me and said, I think you'd be a great tour guide. Have you thought about applying? I hadn't even thought about it. I applied, I became an intern the next year, and there it was. So just curious about your pathways that you've seen, Katie. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think we, so I mentioned I oversee our student admission program, nearly a thousand students out of our 9,300 undergraduate students. So that kind of Mm -hmm. speaks volumes about the desire to be a part of this program. And I think we take a little bit of a unique approach to our college visit in that we really put our student volunteers at the center of the visit. So even our information session is 
four student panelists who tell their stories and then we open it up for Q&A to the audience. Sometimes 250 people, we have no idea what questions they're going to ask us. It's authentic, unscripted every single time. We put a lot of trust in our students to really represent the authentic student voice. There's no script. And I think that's why our students like volunteering, right? Because it's their opportunity to really just tell their truest story. And our philosophy is we don't want to sell BC. We want to tell you the good, mm -hmm. sometimes the frustrating, but we want to we want to tell you the the realest version of Boston College so you can take the information and you can go home and decide if it's the right place for you. And for mm -hmm. some students it is and some it isn't. And that's why there are such a diverse range of colleges and universities in the U.S., right? But I think our student volunteers really identify with that mission and that philosophy of being the truest version of themselves, of representing a diverse group of students here on campus, and and really, therefore, representing an authentic Boston college, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions I always recommend that students ask is, is there anybody who you think wouldn't be happy here? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, is there someone and, and a lot of colleges, really, most people would be happy, but usually students have an experience with someone for whom it wasn't the right place. Like I visited an urban, very urban campus in a city that wasn't like 100 percent wealthy. And he said, you know, I love it here. I love all the opportunities this gives me, but not every student's comfortable. If you want a suburban environment, this isn't for you. You know, so so usually there's something like that. So mm -hmm. I wonder. um I kind of wonder, like, or one of the things I like about it is that you can tell that authentic story. And that sort of brings me to my next question, actually, which is if would is there anything you would have done differently in your search? I mean, knowing that obviously you both love Boston College, um, it's just a great place for you to be. But is there something you wish you had known, questions that you wish you would ask because it might have helped you adjust a little faster? Um, Teresa, why don't we start with you? Yeah, definitely. I think coming into the decision-making process and looking at a lot of great universities, I really stuck to the East Coast and I'm in Massachusetts in the New England area, but both my parents went to Villanova and for a long time during my decision-making process, that was like at the forefront of, of it and everything else was where around where I'm from, can I go to college? And Boston College was actually one of the farthest colleges I from home that I applied to. And looking back, I wish I had at least looked on websites of universities that were in other areas of the country uh, and were a little outside of my comfort zone, um, but were still interesting, had programs that I was interested in and kind of had just gone more broad at the beginning. Because I think when you start the process with a narrow view of I only want to be on the East Coast, I only want to be in the Northeast, then that inherently narrows your pool of places that you look into and apply and learn about. So I do mm -hmm. wish that I had a bit more broad, a little bit more of a wider lens. And then from there, narrow down, okay, I know I only want to go to a school in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually have started telling students to test their hypothesis. They have a hypothesis that they want a mid-range urban school not too far from home. That's a pretty common hypothesis. But test it. Look at these ones that are farther away. Look at the schools that are bigger or smaller. Um, so, yeah, I've, I think that's a great advice for students to have. Like, just make sure. Um, Tyler, what about you? Yeah, um, you know, for starters, I would have laughed at every single one of my college, like the tour guides jokes. It's, it's huge. <laughs> it takes a lot to get up there and make jokes. <laughs> um, but... 
you know, on, on a more serious note, I think that sometimes, you know, I would go to a city, really pack the schedule with college tours, maybe hit, you know, three schools in one day. And so sometimes, especially if it was that middle school, uh, you know, I'd, I'd drive in, go to the tour and then leave right after. And I think that um, kind of giving yourself a buffer either on the front end or the back end could be a really good idea to be able to, you know, just walk around the campus, even without a tour guide. I know for us, like most of our buildings are open. If you're interested in, in business, I can point out Devlin Hall where the business or the you know, school management is. You can walk around there for a little while um, or just walking around the you know surrounding area of the campus, I think can be really valuable. And so I think, you know, giving yourself a little bit of a buffer on on either side is really important. I can also talk about something that I thought I, I did well. This was also a little bit of what my mom did well because she went on a lot of my tours with me. Um, but is is talking the the tour guides kind of one on one. You know, when you're when you're walking in between stops or right after stops, or I remember I visited one school that had two tour guides. I think one was kind of in training. And so I talked to the one that was in training a little while. I think those one-on-one conversations can sometimes, you know, allow the, the tour guides to maybe be a little bit more more genuine in what they're saying. I think that, you know, as a tour guide, it's tough to escape. It's sometimes tough to escape that kind of um you know, selling mentality, salesperson mentality a little bit. But I think if you're talking to someone, someone one-on-one, that's really when a student can be, be their most genuine. And that's when I had just some really great conversations with, uh, with students that allowed me to, you know, make really confident choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would even say, you know, maybe go to the dining hall, right? You might mm-hmm. find students willing to talk to you there, that kind of thing. Katie, do you have anything to add to all of this? I would just empower everyone to feel confident that their questions are valid also, right? There's no question that if it's personal to you, isn't important to ask or isn't acceptable to ask. So whether it be a really specific question about an academic program or asking what the political culture is like on campus, you know, anything that's kind of important to you on your mind, I I always try to encourage students and their families to feel confident asking them and and also, you know, that's how the rumor mill starts if you don't, right? I heard that. And we're all always happy to just address things kind of face on and really give students the best information, at least to our ability. So feel confident that we're here to help. Yeah, the rumors that I have heard sometimes are ridiculous, uh, yes. including in this current position. Students will come back and say, well, they don't have any biology majors there. And I'm like, I'm quite confident that they have biology majors <laughs> there. I'm really really confident that that is completely incorrect information. (laughs) So, um, all right, so let's kind of wrap up with this. We just have a few minutes left, but I'd love it, Katie, if you could tell me whether the impact, whether the visit impacts an admissions decision. It's a great question. And I'll say specifically at Boston College, it does not. So a term that you hear kind of used often in the admission profession is demonstration of interest which means that colleges and universities might be tracking your engagement with that university, whether it be a college visit, um, an email, engaging at a high school visit or a college fair, and that those engagements or those encounters might be factored into the admissions process. At BC, we've made a very conscious decision to not do that, to really honor the student's application and all the components that are submitted in terms of how we make and evaluate a student and how we make a decision. Um, But some universities do track interest, and typically they're very transparent about that, if if that's the case. And I think that's a question you should feel empowered to ask as well, because bottom line, if they do use that 
to impact the admission decision, that might be a really important reason to visit a campus or to engage virtually in some way if the campus isn't accessible to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they are quite transparent. I visited Elon a few years ago and they were like, visit, but also Mm -hmm. send your admission counselor an email. I mean, they were really direct about that. Whereas at Chicago, that kind of thing didn't matter. And unfortunately, I really didn't even have time to respond to those emails. I mean, I just, I felt bad about it, but I just, I didn't have time. So, um, so I think it's really good. Yes. Trust the college, see what they say. Generally speaking, they really are just going to tell you uh, what they think. Um, All right. And so I think we have just like one minute left. So just quickly, um, after that initial visit, is there anything that Boston College would want you to follow up somehow? I mean, I figure thank you notes are always a good thing. So in a formal way, no, we don't have any expectation that a student will will or needs to follow up with us. That being said, we always welcome students reaching out. We give out our personal contact information. It's available on the website. Um, and I think more importantly, we offer really, Tyler mentioned one of them, really specific programs for students to visit once they're further along in the process. So in terms of engaging after that initial visit in a, in a way that's helpful for you, we certainly encourage it. Doing shadow programs with students, attending admitted student days, all of these will just further help you in your discernment process and figuring it out, figuring out if BC in this case is the right place to call home. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. All right. Thank you so much, Katie, Teresa, and Tyler. This was great. I really appreciate it. Um, All right. So I want to tell everybody about our show next week. I'll be the host again, and I'll be talking with colleagues about advice for international students who want to study in the U.S. and American students who want to study in other countries. So tune in for that. Please do remember to rate us on iTunes, and you can find us every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Everybody have a great week. Thanks, Sally. You too. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.